Thank you for listening to this episode of Liberation. I'm your host, LaCroix Hatcher, and Liberation presents Larice Purnell. Larice is an author, business owner, and organizer of The Real Black Friday. In this episode, Larice will talk about his family's struggle coming up in Cleveland, Ohio, and he will also talk about handling finances in the midst of a pandemic. Please enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, I got a special, special guest uh, with us. Uh, This gentleman uh, is a very intelligent, well-renowned person in the city of Cleveland. Uh, He's the author of Financial Foundations, uh, Building Financial Freedom One Tool at a Time. He's also co-owner and managing partner of CLE Consulting Firm, Um, also co-owner of the Black Box Fix. He's the organizer of the Real Black Friday and has traveled over 35 cities teaching financial literacy. Uh, I have Larice Purnell with me. Larice, how are you doing this evening? I'm good, my brother. I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. I'm glad to be on with you tonight, man. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you can make time out of your busy schedule for me, sir. Oh, come on now. I'm always ready for a conversation, man, with good people. You, you've been doing big things since Warrensville, sir. You you know, uh, I just praise God for for just even the opportunity, man. Um, it, it's been fun. It's been a, a fun, I say, roller coaster. Even with ups, you have some downs, but you know, God has really, really been a blessing, man. And you know, I just thank Him for that and just the direction He's given me. Okay, okay. And also, congrats on being listed in Cleveland Magazine's uh, 2020 list, most interesting people. Yeah, so I didn't know how to take that. Now we 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 on here and we brothers, so I, I'm gonna talk. I'm I'm excited to talk to you because I want to be real. Uh, like I said, so what do you when they called me? I said, what do you? What's your definition of interest? <laughs> I said, I said I don't know how to take that. Uh, but no, I, I appreciate it. No, it was definitely an honor. You know, anytime anybody wants to say anything about you, or let you tell your story. You know, hopefully to help someone else. So so and, and then just you know. Or just be honest, man, it's just for people that look like us mm-hmm. to be able to see people that look like them um, in places that they aspire to be in. You know, I just, you know, so when, I, when I'm ever in that position, I get excited for, you know, the person coming behind me mm-hmm. as well. So so that that's important to me. Okay. Uh, and also, um, how's your mom's how's family? How are everybody doing? Man, you know, um, this uh, it, it, it's different times, man. It's, it's different times to go see my mother. And um, for a while, I couldn't see her. She was she's living in a senior living um, building and, you know, they weren't allowing guests. And, you know, um, so it's like I felt like I like I was cheating on my wife or something, man. Uh, I had to meet her on the side of the building to pick her up and we could pull off together. <laughs> and, and I said, Ma, just meet me at the side door. Just jump in. I'm gonna pull up with the door open. Jump in, and just we gonna roll. So, uh, but literally, man, uh, she it's just different times, man. And just to see her in a mask mm. and just talking seriously, man, it's just that's a different thing, man. It's like not like and because she deals with lupus and mm. she has a lot of other ailments. Uh, you have to be very careful because I'm out in the community. I, I haven't even kissed my mother on her forehead in probably close to a year now. Wow. And, and the little things we take for granted, 
But I, I told her the other day, I just said, Ma, I love you. I haven't even really gave you no love in almost since March of last year. Because, of course, you know, I know I touch a lot of people mm-hmm. and, you know, I want to protect your life, man. So, so it, you know, even, you know, we don't realize the little stuff that we can grieve. And that to me didn't hit me until the holidays. And I was like, Ma, I love you. When I, you know, went to go see her before, I, you know, for the holidays and, um, you know, it just felt different. So, but I'll be saying this, I'm blessed. Um, just for the first time, though, I lost somebody you know, really close to me. My kid's grandfather passed away from COVID and he's the first person in our family, you know, that, that actually passed away from, you know, the virus. But, you know, so up to that point, I can say that, you know, people, you know, um, got the virus, but they were able to um, overcome it. So, so I, I say overall, man, we're blessed, you know, but we honor him. Okay. So, um, I'm going to give you a little time and space to uh, tell the audience a little bit about yourself before I start firing off questions. So native of Cleveland, um, grew up single, you know, mother, the same, you know, story you hear, but just it comes in different versions, you know, two, you know, older sisters had some other siblings, um, step siblings. Um, but my mother, you know, had myself in, the, the two sisters and, you know, so she did the best she could, went through challenging times growing up. And look, I don't even know if you knew it and probably until you read about it, you know, as being homeless before I came to Warrensville and, and the story, I'm, I'm grateful I can tell this story now. When I came to Warrensville, I'll never forget, like that was a big deal for us because we were living from house to house, from shelter to shelter. And that was really where I felt like I was in a community that I, I felt some stability mm. and, you know, I was coming to school and I was, we went to the Goodwill to get my clothes. And I just, Shut one up. thing, oh, people don't, they don't know, they see your glory and don't know your story, man. And I remember people like Melissa Harris, <laughs> you know, sitting across from me, like, any two hot corduroys? <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm like, you know what you mean? I look nice, you know, but but the reality is my mother always had a sense of style. So nobody knew, knew it came and she bought the polo shirt for one ninety nine. When I think back about it, I told her, actually, you were smarter than everybody else's parents. They paid $39.99. You paid one ninety nine. So right. I don't know who was smarter. So, but no, honestly speaking, we, uh, you know, she washed the clothes, she pressed them. So nobody knew the difference, but didn't realize that we were struggling as a family. And, uh, you know, but, yeah, so, you know, went away to school, went to, you know, Bowling Green, undergrad, and, and then went to the University of Toledo, got my master's. You now I got married at a young age um, and had two beautiful children that I, you know, adore and I believe they adore me. I, I I guess I'm speaking on their behalf because they may say something different. They were on here, but no, I'm joking. <laughs> I think they love me. Um, but, no, we, um, you know, boy and girl, Gavin and Gabby, um, and – you know, now I'm, I'm actually newly engaged. I was divorced about five, six years ago, newly engaged. Um, and I'll just say that I've had a very blessed life and had the opportunity to really, I think I've just sown some good seeds. Mm-hmm. Um, so people always say, you know, how are you so, or they perceive me to be so um, successful. And I told them it's no magic to what I do. Um, it's hard work. Like we're sitting here talking, you know, in the evening and I'm still in the office. You know, my whole staff, I'm looking, 
have 17 staff members. I'm the only one here. So it's like when you ask for this life, you know, either you want to be average or you want to be great. So it's all what you're willing to put into it and keeping God in the midst of it. Uh, he's really, truly the answer to everything that I've been able to accomplish because I've kept him in the midst of it. So, so yeah, that's a little about me, man. I, I love sports. You know, I love to travel. I, I'm very civically engaged. I sit on about three or four boards as a treasurer, places like COGC, the Cleveland Public Library, Cleveland um, YMCA, Cleveland Clinic. You know, so I do a lot in the community and, um, I, you know, I enjoy it um, and it, it, it drives me. Everything I do, it drives me to be a blessing to those that are that are that are in need and less fortunate. So so that that's who I am. Um, that's my story. And I'm sticking to it, man. <laughs> You know what? And and when I read that, I was curious. I'm like, okay, it had to have been when he was a toddler because I got to admit, Larice was a pretty boy in school. So and 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 so let me say this to you, Lacroix. Uh. Now this is all like what's so crazy about that is literally, I I can't believe ninth grade. I got best dress. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, I got best dress in ninth grade. And don't realize half the stuff came from the Goodwill. <laughs> so, again, I don't know who was smarter. Was it my mother? <laughs> look, 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 give her a rob because she pressed it. She cleaned it. Like, they knew us. Like, and, and I. And it's funny how, you know, I thank, I praise God that I can smile and laugh because it's helped to make me, you know, who I am or where I'm going. Um, and, and, and I look, it was literally – the Goodwill that was on the West side, it was in Southgate, you know, it used to be, you know, behind the pick and pay, you know, we used to go, we used to walk up there, bro. And, and we would get our bags and stuff. Monday was half off. Like I still remember wow. like my our Mondays, I knew we was going, it was half off, you know, and uh, we got our clothes and she did the best she could do. And then the one thing I would say is she, she even through all that, despite that, she always shows so much love and humility. Mm. And, and, and when people say, man, Larice, you're so this and that, I'm like, it's just the way I was raised mm. to always love and, and give people the benefit of the doubt and be good to people. Cause when we didn't have my mother, I, she would be trying to tip people at the grocery store. I'm like, we just left the goodwill. Like, like we don't have no money to tip people. <laughs> and, and that's, she taught me, she tipped. And to this day, she does that. She tips everybody. She go to the grocery store. She's tipping the bag boy. She's going to try to tip the cashier if you let her. I mean, that's just who she is. And I'm like, Ma, you don't have a lot. She's like, if you ain't learned nothing by now, you know, I've given my way to where I'm at. Mm. And I have to throw my hands up every time. Like, I'm not going to stop you. Keep giving. So, yeah, you know, yes, sir. And I praise God you made it through those storms. Oh, man. Hey, Real and like I tell people, people now, Every storm in life runs out of rain at some point. And all you got to do is fight through it, work through it. So I'll say through our storm, she loved us through it. And then when it was all over, we were still, you know, we had some foundation. We had some values. We had character. You know, she had built all that in, even through the storm. She still never negated education is important, you know, and all that sort of stuff to us. Um, And. You know, I, I, again, like you, like you, even when you just made the comment, like, I thought you were this and I, 
Like, I'm like, you don't even know the story. Like, it was, you know, by God's grace. And, you know, so when she could start to afford things, I think she did try to make up for lost times. So that's when I had my best dress year in ninth grade because I think she went a little crazy because she was so happy she could buy me some new shoes. <laughs> so, uh, so, so then that's the year you saw like, oh, okay, Larice doing it. <laughs> Look, so, but no, it, it was all good, man. But I, and you know, it, it's it's cool. It is what it is. But it's, it's oh, yes. like I felt like, yeah, you know, even before yeah. the uh, best dress is not like you know. It was yeah. you know, a tag child, you know. So No, no. She never she didn't allow that. She it we was gonna be clean and pressed now. So you you didn't know where it came from. You just know it looked new. So she knew how to put it together. And that's and that's where we have to celebrate black mothers, man. Right. Like when I say they sacrificed and they did, they made it happen. Mm. And that's why I hate to see a woman be disrespected even to this day. You know, a black mother. I don't like it because we they they make the sacrifices sometimes we just won't make and can't make and don't know how to make. <laughs> you know, so see that that goes to show about you fair skinned black folks. Y'all can go shop at the goodwill and still come up. <laughs> look, look, I, I felt like I always found all the polo too. So I'm like I'm like, if you if y'all wear polo, I'm wearing polo too. And and I'm like, my, we always find the good stuff. <laughs> look, so you know, y'all, y'all uh, and always then, got the upper leg. <laughs> <laughs> so, man, I was so happy. So people to me getting a job was a lot different than the average person in school getting a job. Uh-huh. Cause it was finally a time for me to be able to help out around the house and, and take care of some things that she couldn't take care of. And then my mother started to deal with lupus. She got sick and she deal with a lot of illness. She was always in and out the hospital. So it's like, I felt like, you know, at times we had to kind of do, you know, kind of get it how we knew, you know, and, you know, so the summer program at Warrensville, you could work when you start when you were 13. Mm. And I used to work the summers and I, and now is the only time I, I think I stopped chewing bubble gum after that point, because I used to have to clean all the bubble gum from the bottom of the desk all summer and 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 then i don't know if you remember the dude he was a janitor tall uh ball head guy yeah. and was rudolph you remember yeah I remember and, and that was my guy uh-huh. he, he, i i worked in summer every summer until i turned 16 and i could go get another job mm. and he would be like get this the, the freeze spray and you got to clean and then scrape all the gum I promise you, I was the only 13-year-old kid that hated gum. <laughs> so, but but it was all good, man. It was it taught me a lot and, and helped me to just have a good work ethic. So, okay, on a personal level, so let me ask this. Um, how were those experiences um, being in the shelter? Like, how did that, how has that driven and inspired you throughout your uh, your days? The crazy thing about it, you, you, you said something. You talk about when that happened to me, and, and I know you could probably recollect this. You probably look back at some things when you were seven, eight, nine, you know, five, all that. You probably can't even remember. Mm-hmm. You probably, if, if if I paid you right now, you would not be able to remember that instance. You would say, uh, kind of, but for me, for whatever reason. I always could remember everything about it. Mm. 
And the older I get now, I realize time, talent, treasure, and testimony. They say the three T's. No, I think you got to add testimony. God needed me to remember it so then I could do the work that I'm doing today. And then I can testify to what I was able to overcome. Because the craziest thing is, like my cousins, them, they be like, man, I don't remember what we used to do back then. I was like, yeah, because I was in the shelter. <laughs> like, you know, and 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 it's like when I watch movies like LaCroix, really like The Pursuit of Happiness. Mm. Like, you may have watched it different than I watched it. When he locked him and his son in that bathroom, I remember me and my mother be have, going to the Wendy's right next to the shelter like it was yesterday. And we got locked out the shelter and we had nowhere to go. And she had no bus fare to get us nowhere. And we had to stay in the Wendy's until it closed. The manager let us stay there and she gave us a sandwich. We split the sandwich. My mother really didn't want to eat because she wanted me to eat it. And and I'll never forget. She just told me, she said, "Um, you know, you got to stay in here until I finish cleaning. And then she ended up giving us a ride and she didn't know us from a can of paint. You know, and all that being said, it was times like that that I remember. And it felt like I was locked inside of some place just to stay warm. So with that being said to you is, you know, um, yeah, so those things. But I I always told my mother. So my mother had a lot of shame about it. Mm. Like when I start talking about it and getting very public in the community, I had to ask her permission because just because I've gotten over it and I've been able to overcome it don't mean she was ready to deal with it publicly. Right. Because me saying it to you now, that means that somebody's going to hear it that knows us, you know, and I told Ma, I said, I'll never forget, I said, Ma, this is going to be, this is going to help to change people's lives because somebody's going through something that they're not sharing with even the closest people to them mm-hmm. and they don't think they can overcome it. And I said, so we're going to be able to be a blessing to people. And then she finally was like, you're absolutely right. The first time I did it, she got mad at me and said, I don't want you talking about that stuff because everybody was calling her. Like, I didn't know you went through all that. And, you know, because she always had a smile. So you never knew she was going through that because she always loved on people, always gave people her last. and We didn't have nothing, Hmm. you know, so people just couldn't believe it. And it's like almost like you're lying about that. I'm like. I don't think I'm lying about the exact address to like three different shelters. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it happened 30 years ago. Like, I don't think I'm lying about that. Like, you know, so, um, but all that being said is it, it really has made me be very grateful. So when people be like, man, I'm going through all these challenges. I sit there and my staff, my family, they're like, don't nothing shake you. And I said, no, 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 no. I said, I still grieve. I still have issues. I still go through turmoil. I still deal and feel defeated about certain things. But ultimately, I, I get, I come back to perspective real quickly when I look out this window of my office and look at the Muni lot mm-hmm. and I see a thousand cars going down the freeway to try to get food every Thursday from the Cleveland Food Bank. Mm-hmm. If that don't humble you, I don't know what else will. So, so again, those instances in life just really gave me a good balance um, in life. So, you know, those, those lines are insane. And um, it's amazing. um, Our parents of that particular generation, um, you know, my mother got some things that she had went through and they hold that stuff tight to the vest. 
and I often, oftentimes see why uh, our parents of this baby boomer generation, they have issues, for lack of better words, because they come from another parenthood before them that is very stern, hardcore, and tough because they had to be to overcome. That's right. That's right. And their parents inflicted something on the baby boomer generation and they don't they, they hold that stuff tight to the vest because I'm gonna do it because that's how my parents did it. And there's a certain shame, a level of shame when you know there's something that they're going through because either they feel like they let their parents down or they're just embarrassed. Yeah. And they're not as open as us now. And Right. This next generation is going to be ten times. Oh yeah, 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 share it all. That's so, um, but you know, but you when you think about that, and to me, being honest with you, and that's where I get passionate about when I talk about our community and some of the challenges we have. We we really were taught growing up: you keep your your private stuff at home and you don't share it. Bingo. But but then that's why we got so many people, even in our generation, LaCroix, that aren't living right now, that are in prison. Mm. And we didn't go. We were blessed. We didn't have to deal with that. But we but they went to prison and dealt with that and had different issues. And, you know, because they didn't know how to deal with their emotions. They weren't allowed to. So we our parents didn't realize by saying don't share. Some of us, because we were still kids, didn't realize that meant just don't share this. Mm-hmm. So we took it as don't share nothing. So then when we're broken down inside or we're dealing with issues, we don't feel like we're supposed to share that. Mm-hmm. So even down to if you go to counseling in our community, we, we get looked at like we got a problem. Mm-hmm. Like you need to get like something wrong with you because you got counseling. Don't realize getting counseling might save your life. Right. But like that might make you a better person than everybody who don't get counseling. Mm-hmm. So, so again, that, you know, you're, you're right about that. And that, and I guess that for me, even as I talk about it, it's always, you know, it's therapy for me mm-hmm. as well it, to be able to share it. And then it also releases again, someone else to feel free and be out of bondage. Cause that's slavery, man, yeah. to your thoughts, yeah. slavery to hurt. Like how you expect to be in a successful marriage and you, you don't got no feelings right. <laughs> or, right. or you broken down about your past. Mm-hmm. Like how you going to properly raise your children and you can only be half a man or half a woman because you didn't deal with your stuff as a child. So, yeah. so again, I just didn't want my troubles to resonate with my children in the work that I did. So, but yeah, that's, that's important. Yeah, and, and I don't want to stay on this topic too much longer, but it seems yeah. like a lot of that baby boomer generation, and I don't, and I'm a broad stroke yeah. from maybe our generation on down. For the most part, alcohol and drugs was recreational. For their generation, it was an escape because either if they're not doing that stuff then you got that share of people that take out that pain on others, specifically kids, loved ones. 
And then the ones that are able to survive it, if they didn't have any traumatic experiences, there's still something they need to wrap there that they need to unravel and, 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 and getting it out. It's powerful. Like I, 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 you know, I talk to my pops often and, and I can see the relief that comes off his chest when he talks about things like his, um, grown up and can only recall less than five times his father telling me he loved him and saying different, derogatory is probably a strong word but different things that demeaned him and he just didn't know how to work with those things didn't know how to um work those things out and 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 really deal with it until he's in his later years he's talking about it and it's almost like air coming out of a balloon So, as a financial advisor, uh, what type of advice um, would you say to the people to either um, to be as prepared as possible, whether on a business level or personal level? One, um, the and from a general perspective, is um, you got to know where you're at, and that sounds so simple, but you'd be surprised how many people, even during a pandemic. People didn't take enough time to understand their finances. Hmm. And the reality is, you know, when you see, you know, um, almost 20 million people get diagnosed with COVID and just think about all the lives that were lost. If that hasn't taught you, you need to get your business in order, then there's a problem. Hmm. Because if you have time to prioritize, if you're listening to me, You have time to prioritize recreation in times like this and do things you love to do, which I don't say you don't take the time to do that, but you should put just as much time into making sure you create a strong foundation. Why at this point does your kids or your loved one have to search for your life insurance policy if you lose your life because you've never had a conversation? Like I'm watching that happen. I've only lost one person, like I stated, um, to it, but I've dealt with many clients that have lost a loved one, a spouse, a parent, a cousin to this pandemic right here in the Midwest, literally. And I would say probably at least 75% of the families did not have their financial affairs in order. Mm. And so what I would say, I would challenge you One, figure out your expenses that you have. Make sure that you're not wasting money. What things are unused because now the pandemic is real. Are you at a gym you haven't been at since 2019 and you still get an ACH? Are you, you know, spending, what memberships do you have? Are you a part of clubs um, that you're getting ACH that you haven't been in in six months and you're still paying the fees? Like what do you need to adjust? Mm-hmm. Are you still using a box for cable when you could be streaming cable at a third of the cost? Mm-hmm. Um, like seriously, cutting back on expenses, you know, to really maximize it. And if now if you're working remotely, now that's gas money. Mm-hmm. So if you were paying 30 to $40 a week in gas, where have you decided to redirect that? Is that extra money to you? Or is that money that should be redirected into put into your 401k? 
because you haven't maximized that since you started that job. So again, understanding your finances. Then I want everybody to do this activity. And this is, I used to talk about this last, but now it's become first. I call it the love letter. Everybody should have a love letter for their family. And you think that, that I mean, like you're about to write some mushy letter. No, that's not what I'm saying. What it is, is you're going to go to Sam's, you're going to go to Walmart, you're going to go to Target, mm-hmm. and you're going to spend $40, $50, and you're going to buy a small fireproof safe. And within that safe, you're going to put your life insurance policies in there. Mm-hmm. You're going to put a list of all your bills in there. You're going to put all your bank statements in there. You're going to put all your important documents in there. You're going to put all your 401ks and your investments in there. You're going to put the deed to your house in there. And God forbid, if something, your copy of your will in there, your copy of your power of attorney, your health care power of attorney. And then if something happens to you, people have access to that. So now your family, and the reason why I call it a love letter, because it's a way that you can tell your family that you honor them, that you gave them direction even in your time of, you know, of not being with us any longer. And now it takes a lot of relief off of people. Mm -hmm. I mean, now they can properly grieve you. So imagine somebody trying to grieve you and then they can't, they don't know how the funeral is going to get paid for, or they don't know how the next mortgage is going to get paid for. And you may be thinking like, Hey, why is that a priority? That's a priority again, a year and a half ago, that wouldn't have been my priority to talk to you about. Mm. But today, because we're in a pandemic, it is the priority. And I would ask everybody listening, if you can say honestly that you have that in order, then I'm not talking to you, then I'm talking to your cousin and them. So tell them about it. <laughs> you talk but, to me. But I can, almost, I can almost guarantee most people, and I deal with hundreds of people that come through this office, and they, they can all admit, Larice, I don't like... I'm talking to husband and wife that don't know all the each other's investments or bank accounts and all that sort of stuff. So, again, I just say it's a time like this that we get our affairs in order. And, and now I'm not wishing death on you. I'm just wishing preparation on you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would say to you as well is the money that you're saving now, because maybe you've adjusted your work schedule and, you don't have some of the same lunch expenses because you're able to eat at home now mm-hmm. um, and those sort of things. Reinvest that money. Help yourself build some assets. Readjust your budget. But a lot of time we're guilty too is we pay bills every month and they become a habit. So we don't realize we could pick up the phone and, and get our interest rates lowered. If you don't, if you don't watch the news and see that rates are at an all turn time low and you're not refinancing shame on you Hmm. at historical low for mortgages you should be considering refinancing so now that extra money that you're saving can go towards a principal and pay that house off earlier that car note that you finance at nine percent you can now get for three percent those credit cards you're paying 12 to 16 17 percent you can now get for four to five percent so you tell me that if you do that, that's not worth a real money date night. So you're dating your wife, you're dating your, your girlfriend, but you won't date your money. Come on, y'all. <laughs> so all I'm just saying is, while we're woke, don't get rocked back to sleep. And, and I've tweeted that, you know, so we, we woke as a community. We're woke as a people. 
So let's be woke with our finances. So that would just be a few tidbits that I would advise people to do. Let me ask you this. Cause you just sparked something. Cause um, I know personally I've been um, hesitant to refinance certain things because it seems like it adds length to, uh, to the current debt. Like for, for instance, we're on the back end of our loan now, but like you said, they're giving lower rates now. It's like, do I jump back in the loan? And I'm already on the back end just to save that extra 100, 200 a month. And I'm so close to the end. Um, how do you say that that kind of situation should be juggled? Now, that's a great, great, great question. And absolutely refinance. If you had two years left and you save $200, you just save $4,800. So for you tell me you can't find something better to do a $4,800 than give it to the bank? I'm quite sure because I could. How about you save it and give it to me if you can't figure it out? <laughs> so that's what I tell my clients. I'm, I can find something to do with it for you. So all that being said is it, it, it makes sense. What you do is the mistake we make is we, we refinance. And what we do is we extend the loan because we want real low payments. So what they'll talk us into doing is, saying, okay, you got, say, I'm using a uh, simple example. You have two years left, mm-hmm. right? And if you come to us, you're paying 4% now. But if you come to us at 2%, we're going to take you out over five years. But now instead of paying 1000 a month, you're only paying 600 So in your mind, you like, man, I just saved $400. But say, no, 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 no. I want the rate at 2% at the same two years. Mm, so instead okay. of saving 400 a month, maybe I'm only saving 200, but the reality is you ain't trying to make it longer because what you did was the money you thought you saved when you made the interest rate longer over a longer period of time, you end up paying it anyway. So you really didn't save the money. So, so be very careful with that. And, and a lot of us don't know to do that. And I see people get that like, I'm like, well, how did you just have a 15-year mortgage and because you refinance, you're back at 25 years? Like, how did that happen? Mm. And that's because, again, I, I always, when I teach, I say, don't get so excited every time the bank says yes. Because most of us don't know and don't unpack what yes means. And that means reading the documents, understanding what we're reading. And that's very important that we do that. Okay. Sounds good, buddy. Um, now this may go without saying, but I believe I'm gonna have a multifaceted audience. Um, how important is financial literacy, especially in the African American community, but don't limit it to just that. Let's, let's start with how important it is. And then let's address the African American community. It's imperative because we all become adults. Mm -hmm. We all become adults. And, and the reality is money affects everything. You can't be on these headphones with me right now. You can't be doing this podcast if you didn't pay that internet bill. Let's just be honest. <laughs> so so the real, if we don't think that we need money, we got an issue. So it, but the thing about it is we have to know how to control it mm-hmm. and not let us control us. It's needed in every community to have balance. Uh, um, and, and to grow communities and to grow wealth. Now, in the African-American community, 
it is more important us learning history, LaCroix, mm-hmm. that we learned and sat in class together in high school. You know, it's like, tell me the last time you used your history knowledge that you learned in high school. Usually when I'm talking to my kids. Yeah, um, but 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 I'm talking about I ain't talking about Mr. Mac. I'm talking about American history. <laughs> uh, Mr. Mac taught us our history. Right. I'm talking about American history. I, I've never brought up anything about American history because it don't add no value to what I do every day. Mm. But if you would have instead of that class learned about financial literacy or at least in addition to it, you would be using that financial literacy right now. Oh, fact. To make so so that's all I'm saying is. It is as important as that, and it should be in our schools mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, the wealth gap is real. Mm-hmm. Less than 5% of black Americans are ready for retirement. I didn't say, so if it was 10 of us in a, in, in a row, literally half a person is ready. Not even the whole person. Half a person is ready to retire mm-hmm. properly. And then when you look at the average median income, it's over six figures in the white household compared to less than 10,000 in the black household. Hmm. So that is, you tell me there's a wealth gap. So that means education is even more imperative in our neighborhoods. Uh, Cause when I went to college and I'll tell you, I graduated with a young man and he knows I tell him, I tell the story all the time. Name is Justin. And you know, he was taught that, they sat at the Sunday um, dinner table and talked about finances. They talked about credit. They talked about the importance of their name. Mm-hmm. This young kid, we graduated together. We were 22. And I'll never forget, we shared, we sat across from each other at work and desk. We were both financial analysts. And he literally left his bank statement on the thing, not on purpose. He just left it there. And it was like on an area that we shared. And I picked it up, thinking it. And one day I was kind of picking up papers. I'm like, what is this? And I looked and I saw almost thirty some thousand dollars in an account. Literally, I was trying to be the freshest guy at work, you know, and spend all my money looking good. Mm-hmm. And this young boy used to wear the same blue, black and gray suit every day to work. And he just changed his ties up. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, I'm trying to be fresh, new, because I think that's what I have to do to compete. And. When I saw that, we had a conversation and it changed my life. And I never forgot it. 20 years later, he said, I was taught this. He said, I still got my, some of my bar mitzvah money, Larice. He said, I saved off of everything I received. Mm. He said, I had a credit card since I was 14 years old. Since I was 14. He said, when I came to college, he said, when I graduated right now, he said, Larice, I have over an 800 score. Over a, I left college with over fifteen thousand dollars in debt, credit card debt, man, because I'm trying to take care of my family and survive through that time. And I couldn't call home and say, "Hey, I need a thousand because I'm going through this or I need this to happen." Mm-hmm. So, but again, it was what he was taught in the education that he received. Well, we're our families, and not every family. So, if it ain't you, I'm not talking to you. Mm-hmm. But that most families are dealing with that, where if they're trying to survive. My mother's trying to survive. She can't talk to us about good credit. Right. She's trying to make sure we eat eat, eat, eat that week. You know, so, so that again, that's the last thing that matters. So it's imperative. Yeah, well, Our community is based on, unfortunately, we don't know what tomorrow may bring. 
we live in survival. They live in off in um we're we're living off survival and instinctively, they're living systematically. Oh my lord, yes. And and then we live off of and as much as I I respect social media for business, mm-hmm. I don't respect it in a lot of ways because okay. I think it's done a lot of damage to our communities. Because I feel like people live false realities and they're chasing something that really isn't that important Facts. in life. Facts. And, and it's like you got people taking pictures in front of million dollar cars like it's theirs. Taking pictures in front of houses that, you know, like if it was my property, I would say to get from in front of my property. Why are you taking a picture of my house? Like, you know. I think the... I'm a, Here's me broad stroking again. I think the worst, well, some of the worst things that ever happened to us growing up hip hop, real housewives of wherever they're from, because they're doing the exact same thing you're talking about. And then it spills over to Instagram, and, and just like you're saying, in the whole nine. And all these ladies are living a false reality. Like, I don't even. I don't watch those shows, but I catch glimpses of them with my wife. And I distinctly remember this Sharice chick. Um, yeah. From, from Atlanta. From I think, bingo. She was married to the NFL player. Yeah. Was from chasing Cleveland. this dream of having her own mansion. And, and for what? To impress a bunch of people that aren't doing nothing for your family. Or don't even care. We we spend money on things we don't need to impress people that don't even like us or we don't like. And, right. and, and that's the reality is social media. It's a psychological thing. This like thing is we live off likes if we don't get a certain amount of likes and we chase those. And it's almost like a high for some people. Mm. I got a whole bunch of likes. Now, I'm not going to say I appreciate the people who support me. That's why I'm always very careful what I put on there because I want to put I don't want to add to the garbage. I want to add some value to people's lives. So I, you know, you've never seen me put a joke on my page ever in five years. I've been on social. I never put a joke up there Hmm. because I don't feel like people come to my page to play. Hmm. I I may ask you a question and just to get a conversation going, but I'm not going to I'm not going to do a joke. Uh, That's not what social media is to me. It's like when you come there, I want to give you something. If it's showing you that I'm godly and asking you to put make sure God resonates in you, or if it's about family, the importance of family, if it's about business, that's all you're going to see on my page. I tell people, if you really want to know me, my social media ain't ain't no fake to me. Mm-hmm. Like you ain't about to meet me and I'm going to be, you know, eight feet, you know, shorter, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I ain't going to, you know, be catching the RTA to work like like you, it's real, you know, but that's why I don't show stuff on there. Mm-hmm. Like I've never shown, you know, any house I've lived in. Like you might see me take a picture of my living room. That's I'm in my house, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm never going to show you the outside of my house. I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to show you like certain stuff. Like you ain't never going to see the car I drive. Like if I'm in my car, I've done a video or something when I'm parked. Like you ain't, I ain't about to show you the brand. I take it with my watch showing it to the brand of the car. Like I'm never doing that. Ever. I've never done that. So people see me, they don't know what I drive unless they know me. Like that's nobody like I because that's again, I think that that messes us up 
So what it allows people not to do is focus on their future because they have to live in present. If, if my neighbor got a new car today, then I got to get a new car tomorrow. So it allows me not to think about retirement because I got to compete with today. And that's what I think it has done to some of us, unfortunately. And, and another unfortunate thing, this is nowhere near where I want to turn this into, but it also becomes a security issue. And we see that in our young folks, and especially with our young hip hop artists, like you saying, um, pictures of cars, pictures of, of where you're at, all these different things to try to stunt, if you will. But in our generation, the last thing you wanted to do was put pictures up of yourself. You don't want nobody. If, if you had any little level of street sense, you don't want nobody to know where you do your dirt. Like Tretch and Naughty by Nature said it best. I do my dirt all by my lonely. <laughs> if you remember that song. Oh, that's, oh I remember. And that's these, real. These young dudes, they leave their locations on. And then that's, you know, they're getting ran down on. They can follow them. They know what their car look like. They know where they live. They know what hood. They know what street they on. And you you're walking around with hundreds of thousands of dollars, and you ain't going nowhere with it fast when they find you. Yeah, and and the thing about that is, I'll say this because you know my fiance say, Larise, don't beat people up. You know, lift them up, mm. and and I and I don't. I always. That's why I don't. When I teach Lacroix, I never stand on the stage. People have paid me all across this country to speak, and they get mad at me, Lacroix, <laughs> when I won't get on the stage. And I and, and they say we paid you to be the focal point. I said I don't need to be the focal point talking down to people. Mm. I stand on the floor, so I say. No, I don't want to. Don't give me a hand. Give me an earpiece, and I'm gonna walk the crowd, and I'm gonna touch people when I'm talking. I tap people on their shoulders. My brother, I'm talking to you. You know, look me in my eyes. Where you at? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm here. We all family in the building. I always start off when I talk. Any room, I make a joke. I say, hey, "Security, go back there. Close, lock all the doors. Don't let nobody out. You getting ready to share family business." <laughs> Everybody be like, "What are you talking?" I'm like, "I'm just joking, y'all. I ain't about to lock y'all. Right. Say about to, we ain't about to drink no Kool Aid and chill out, <laughs> you know." But I say, then I always ask the question: Are we family today? Mm. Because I'm gonna get free so y'all can get free, so that we really can get free. And, and everybody always tell me, I don't care if they're doctors and NFL players. Like one thing I've learned is, it don't matter what level you're at. I got clients in the NFL playing today. I got, I have. Doctors, physicians, educators, you know, city employees, like there's everything out here, you know. And so I get to see it at all levels. Mm. And all I say is you add additional zero in income, you add additional zero in debt. And that's just the reality. So so again, that don't ever impress me. So it's I'll say to you is I tell them I don't I'm not going to talk down that you can have that stuff. But just make sure you have the margin to, to have it. So you can drive the G-Wagon. You can drive the Rolls Royce to Phantom. But just know that you're going to be prepared for retirement. Don't I don't want you to be at 60 talking about what you did when you was 30 mm. because now you can't afford to do it at 60. Right. So now it's like, it's like me and you, LaCroix, we talking to somebody who we went to high school with, and they still talking about the Regal Cutlass they drove 
that had some hundred spoke Dayton's on it. And you like, I done had like eight cars since then. <laughs> like you still talk about that cutlass? Right. Like, do they can you even find those anymore? So so that that's all I tell people. You can live that life, but just make sure it's a life you're gonna be able to sustain because you have put margin in place for yourself. So mm-hmm. So speaking of your business, so when did you start the C L E consulting firm? So I, I started CLE uh, four years ago. Um, we started in WKYC in Channel 3 on the second floor. Um, got a rented space out there in downtown Cleveland. It was myself, uh, my partner, Tree Sharp, and my we had a part-time assistant. And again, people see your glory, don't know your story. Didn't pay myself for about seven, eight months. Did not have a salary. But I believe the best bet you can make is on yourself. Mm-hmm. And when people figure that out, that are supposed to be entrepreneurs, remember, everybody ain't supposed to be an entrepreneur. That's Back. not everybody's walk. Back. God didn't call everybody to be an entrepreneur, a business owner. Mm-hmm. Um, so all that being said is we did that. We grind. Uh, we're celebrating four years next month. I appreciate that. And when I say, like, literally, God, literally, we gave him something to work with. We were willing to do the hard work. And 17 full-time employees now. I'm over in Jones Day building on Lakeside and 9th. Um, and we're handling major corporations here in the city now. So, again, if you're willing to do the work, you know, God will really bless it, you know, um, if you are willing to make those sacrifices. So, so yeah, so I'm, I'm grateful, man. It's hard work still. You're going to have some some bad times. And if people tell you that, you know, cause on social media, they show it like they're always winning. I'm not always winning, mm-hmm. you know, but as long as I'm winning in certain areas, I am always winning. My family's healthy. I have a peace of mind. Mm-hmm. I woke up and God gave me another chance Thanks. and another opportunity. Thanks. I'm good, man. So it's like, you know, and, and I say, you know, I've had failures, but he's always, brought me and sustained me because he knows he can trust me. So, so yeah, so man, it, it, it continues to be a struggle because in anything you grow, it, it's like a, it's like, you know, this LaCroix growing when we became teenagers, you know, when we started to just kind of sprout up a little, mm-hmm. your joints start hurting, <laughs> you know, you, your bones start hurting because you were growing. You didn't know what it was. You just had these pains. you like, why, why got all these pains? Mm-hmm. So when anything that's that you're growing, there's going to be some pains. And, and you know, you just got to massage your way through them. So, and we've been blessed to be able to do that. Okay. So with some of the bit about approximately how many businesses you think you uh, serve? So I would say probably 200 plus businesses, but I probably serve about four to 500 tax clients. That's good, brother. Um, good. So, yeah. So we... It, it has been a blessing and um, we continue to grow very quickly. And for a size, I mean, a firm our size, it, it, that's pretty respectable size. And um, we, um, again, are aggressively looking at, and, you know, I always tell my partner, we're literally only two years in. We lost a year of the pandemic. The first year we were trying to figure things out. So we only had two solid years. And so to be where we're at, you know, is, is really a blessing. And, uh, for our phone still to be ringing like we just started is even more of a blessing. So on the side joke, I was like, I know my buddy then came up. He got an assistant <laughs> doing his email. Oh, no. 
I can't. And if I try to do it, look, you see, I, I can't even get on the right, uh, uh, you know, uh, platform to get on talking to you tonight because she ain't here. Look, I, I'm so spoiled. I'm like, where's she at? Like, where's LaCroix? I'm sitting over here, like, getting bored. Like, I'm about to start playing Candy Crush till he get on. So. You done got boozy real fast. all right we talked a little bit earlier so the black friday tell the people about that when did you get that started so i got that started in 2015 um and i started that to bring awareness create educational and networking opportunities for black owned businesses i don't apologize in this community and never will that i am proud to be black and i'm proud to be a blessing to our community. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm a Christian man, so CLE services everybody. But, you know, the Real Black Friday's intention is to be a, bl- a blessing to Black-owned businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and, mm-hmm. and that's what we're about, man. I, if, if you watch LaCroix, when I do even outreach in the community, you ever notice I bring entrepreneurs. I never do it by myself. Mm-hmm. There's always mm-hmm. 20 to 30 entrepreneurs that I engage so we can work collectively together because one of the challenges in our community is people always say we won't work together. And, and I always tell people, yeah, there's some people that are challenged. Um, but but I, I say, I don't know who you're meeting because I meet people that are always willing to work together. Um, so it's just the way you approach it. And people just got to be to trust you and trust your word that what you say you're going to do, you do. Right. And I think that's mm-hmm. why people are like, well, why do you get so much support? Because if I my team knows. If I say I'm going to do something, LaCroix, it's by, if I got to stay up 24 hours to make sure it gets done, it's going to get done with mm-hmm. integrity. It's going to get done because once I've committed to our community, we got too many mistrust issues Facts. as it is. Facts. If daddy left, if mama done left you, if your wife done left you, your husband done left you, and then I come around, you will mess around and take all that out on me. Like you mm-hmm. taking everybody's pain. <laughs> like, hey, God, I'm, I'm mad at you now. So when I first started the Real Black Friday, I'll never forget. And I just told a story the other day to someone else. It, it was one. I got two different versions of what people said. People say, why? What are you up to? Why would you do that? You don't want to charge us any money. You're doing it for free. Like for what? Like, what are you going to get out of this? And I said, it's just something I feel that I need to do because I've traveled this country and I know it's our business owners are losing businesses at an alarming rate because they don't have their finances in order. So I feel like I can add value. Mm -hmm. Then I got the other extreme of business owner that didn't know me from a can of paint. And what they would do, I would literally say, come on, sit in the back office while I'm counting the money. And I'll be sitting on the safe. Like, am I sitting on the safe? (laughs) Because it was a trust thing that they said something about you that I trust. Mm -hmm. And I think that you can be a blessing to our community. So what I did was I didn't take the negative portion of it or what I perceived as that I took the people who I fought, felt that I could help and I ran with it and I did things where I would bring businesses together, ask the community to support. And it just kind of, when I knew it was good, LaCroix, the first year I did it mm-hmm. and 4,000 mm-hmm. people showed up during a snowstorm, I said, okay, this was meant to happen. I think I remember that one. Was that when y'all was at the stadium? No, we were at the Word. Okay. I used the multiplex to do it. Okay. And I had David Banner, Jeff Johnson, um, 
who is a staff, Stedman Graham, and I forgot who, Marsha Fudge just became Congresswoman uh, Fudge, and I had them all there, and I um, and a couple other big name people I forgot, but they they were there, and literally people flying down one of the road, and it was important to me that I did it in Warrensville. Because people asked me to do it in Cleveland. I said, no, I want to do it in the city I grew up in. Mm. And that's why I did it there. And and it worked out well. And it was just to see black people in one room. And we were just spending money, spending money, shopping when you get people smiling, businesses collecting money. And it was just exciting. But then I'll tell you how I knew, too, and it confirmed that it was needed because so many business owners missed money that day. So I said, yeah, that was a good thing, but I always look at the challenge of it. A lot of them didn't have a credit card machine. Uh, they didn't have yeah. ways to take money. And you you were sitting waiting for what I was going to say next. Yeah, I was. But the reality, it showed that we didn't have structure in place. We didn't know that our bank offered that service and we could have a credit card machine and that we could have it charged, that we should have our own Wi-Fi. So if it shuts down, we should have square on our phone so we don't lose money. So it was like, I had to, you know, I realized I had to teach customer service. I had to teach how to make sure you had the right business relationship, you know, from a banking perspective. So it just, again, that education piece became key. And I would say though, from there, it's like, I just built, I didn't ask for a lot. I think I charged $50 a person for that. And I had a hundred... 50 bucks for a table and I had 150. So you do the math on that. Literally, that was 7,500. I think I paid David Banner that to come. So if you do quick math, I had to do rentals. I had to run TV ads. I had to do uh, insurance. I had to do police. I had to do other guests I had. I had to do, you know, uh, food for the guests. I had like, I'm to my thousands of dollars. I, I and me and my family invested to, in. To I believe in it that. Oh, for sure, and and have done it since I've started it. Because for me, it was never see CLE. You walk through CLE's doors. This is a business. I'm not a nonprofit. I'm here to make money. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be fair with integrity. But this is my business. This is how I make a living. Mm-hmm. But when it comes mm-hmm. to Real Black Friday, that's not my business. That's my ministry. Mm-hmm. People have come to me. Like, I'll pay you this to do. I'll give you this and I'll give you that. And I said, no, you're missing it. And people have gotten upset with me. Like, you don't realize what you have. You got thousands of people coming. You can make this off of it. You could do this. And I'm like, that's not what it's for. That's not what it's for. I said, it's not for that. It, this is my ministry. Mm. And, and and again, so, you know, and as long as I've stuck to that, I feel like God has given me access. Now, let's, let's talk real, LaCroix. Mm-hmm. How many... Black people, have you seen take over Edgewater? <laughs> How many black people have you seen take over Public Square? Ain't happening. It ain't happening, bro. So, so you listening? And when I say favor, God is real. If you don't believe it, I, my life tells you that. Like that don't happen in our community. Mm-hmm. And literally, the freeway was backed up. Yeah, Shaw Band was gonna perform, and they couldn't even get over the freeway to come perform at Edgewater. It was so backed up. Mm-hmm. Public Square, same thing. Parking lots packed. People driving in circles trying to find some place to park. I lose hundreds of people coming down to Public Square, but 
But for me, it was about bringing our people excellence, mm. showing them that if you put your mind to it, you can do anything you want to. We have access to it all. We just got to have our business in order. That's all. Facts, facts. And and customer service. That's another thing we have to work at. You know what I'm saying. But I'm not oh, going oh. to kill us today. Yeah, yeah, but I'll say this to you. I'll be the devil advocate. We too, if our businesses don't have money, I want you to hear me from this perspective. If if you walk in, the average business is a solopreneur. You know that, right? right. Historically or statistically. Mm-hmm. So that means that the owner is a customer service person. They're producing the product. They're the marketing person. They're the CFO. They're the CEO. They're doing it all. Mm-hmm. They're trying to establish their dream. It's like me. Three. I'm quite sure people complained about me when I first started CLE. I, you know, he's too busy. He's too busy, you know, because I had to grow so I could afford employees so that I could service people better. So with that being said is, why do we go in to a billion dollar company? And I'm about to say it. Call Walmart. Who's who makes billions? LaCroix. Mm-hmm. And they got 20 registers. But how many are open? Two? And the line is all the way back to electronics. And we stand in that line and we pull this phone out, tweet, in my favorite store, hashtag Walmart, hashtag Target. (laughs) We go into a black business and there's three people in line and they run at five minutes late Worst customer service ever. It was horrible. Now, I'm not saying everybody. Some people get to you get to the counter. They're rude to you. Like they act like they doing you a favor. Now, even with the real Black Friday, I don't support you just because you're black. I support you because you're doing good business and you're black. That's good. And people know. That's good. I, I've called people and I've held them accountable and said, I keep getting complaints about you. I'm never going to blast you. I'm your brother or your sister. Or if you a sister, I tell you, I'm your brother, brother to brother, brother to sister. I'm like, I'm here to help you. I want you to be better. Either you're going to listen to me and take some of my advice or just know that I wish you the best, but I'm never going to support you. And I'm never going to allow you to come to the events. And I guess with my little sly remark, it wasn't so much directed at the owners per se, because my mother is a business owner. Okay. And it helped prep me for what I need to do in life. It's oftentimes, whether it's at the Walmarts or wherever else, where there's majority, um, let's just say us, we sometimes don't treat each other as we should, whether it's the employee of a black business or any other business. And I say that level of us, we need to upgrade. And, and that would be the cherry on ice cream. And that, that's when you'll be able to see the needle truly move. I, 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 no, I agree. I agree. It's, and, and I fight for that in black box In black box. I, and I'll give a business kudos, Christian owned business, Chick-fil-A do it best. How may I serve you? Facts. When you pull it, when you pull that drive through, how may I serve you? You get, have a great day. Thanks for coming to Chick-fil-A. In line. Out I never got met. It's down forever. the street. The thing is down the street. You sit in there. You don't realize you don't watch the whole episode of Power by the time you get to the window. <laughs> and, Look, and, and Jesus, you Jesus might be smile. waiting for you by the time you get there. 
but you still smiling. You still leave happy, like that's the best chicken sandwich you ever had in your life. And sometimes, and we don't even realize this because because it's Chick-fil-A, the fries are cold. But because the service was so great, you forgot how cold the fries were. Like, I don't want a cold wafer fries. And, and and it's a brother here in the city, Mr. Doss, who owns he owns the Chick-fil-A. It's a brother who owns the Chick-fil-A in Warrensville. His name is Mr. Doss. Gary Dog. Beautiful family. And, and I tell him all the time, I will eat average food for great service. Facts. Man, I'm no not going doubt. over no great service and they dogging me. No like I'm doubt. sitting there trying to eat my food and I ain't seen you in 30 minutes and you treat me like I'm a piece of crap. I'm so mad I can't enjoy the food. So I forget how good it was. Now I can have a regular hamburger that I could have cooked at home, but you keep coming. Huh? Is there anything else you need? You need any ketchup? You need any soda? You need it? And you like, gosh. Like you go some places, you like, man, if you come over here one more time, I don't think you just because you're too happy. <laughs> so, but no, seriously though, uh, I do think that that is one thing that we truly have to work on. And I and I actually do training on that, you know, with another partner consulting firm, you know, when I do that throughout the year, like we're getting ready to do a 10 part series that will talk like about access to capital taxes. It'll have service in there. I have HR practices and all that sort of stuff. So that is something that's always at the top of my, my list uh, for people. So you're right. Word on the street is you're getting married soon. I see. Man. Yes. Um, and we, the funny thing about it, Croy, um, brother, it's like when you start again, perception, people see you, they're like, hey, this professional guy, successful guy, he should be with a certain type of woman. Um, you know, he needs a professional woman or he needs somebody at his level and all that. You know, my, my girl, you know, been an uh, entrepreneur, you know, her whole life. She's a cosmetologist. She does here owned her shop, bought her business. My mother had you know, a shop too. Man, what, what, when I say solid as a rock, solid as a rock, man, she, she, you know, intelligent, can talk any, you know, have any conversation. And when I say, you know, I'm, I'm, I, she's a gift to me, man. Mm-hmm. You know, um, she's a gift to me and really is supportive um, speaks into my life, man. I speak into her life. And I'll tell you this, there's going to be some great things God will do through me and through us because he's blessed me. The, the word says he who finds a wife, you know, finds a good thing and finds favor in the Lord. Speak and on I'm it. telling you, man. And when I say, you know, it's like, that's the only thing I feel like, you know, I was divorced six years ago. Still a lot of respect for my children's mother, you know, um, childhood sweetheart, you know, have a lot of respect for honor for, um, you know, and, and remember men who have daughters and even children, men, uh, boys as well, you know, your, your kids watch how you treat their mother. Mm-hmm. So don't, don't ask your son to go respect his future wife and you disrespecting his mom. Mm-hmm. Don't ask your daughter to date a good guy and she see you dogging her mom because most kids want to be like their father. A daughter wants to be with somebody like her dad. A, a son wants to be like his dad. 
So don't ever forget that. So again, it's like, so I honor the women that are in my life and I'm so, you know, elated and I'm excited, man. She dope, man. The crush, she dope, bro. Uh, she, she got, she, she got she you writing dope. a book. Oh, got me writing a book <laughs> called Unexpected. It is it, called Unexpected and, and truly, it's so funny. We didn't even think. I literally was like, I don't know, doing some crazy at the house, was fixing something and came up with the name. Like, unexpected. We were like, what's the title of it? And the real reason I wrote it was, it was she had talked about doing something together. And I was like, let's do something that will elevate your dream. She's always wanted to write about her story and just all stuff, stuff like that. I said, and then she was like, well, I really ain't into that. And I said, well, we got a pretty interesting story. I said, I think it could be a blessing to other couples. You know, I said, it ain't going to be a help because we ain't married. So we can't give you so much advice. <laughs> People will be like, y'all ain't even married. Y'all going to give us advice. <laughs> so I said, we can write it in a way that will be a blessing and speaking to people's lives and, and, and be free enough that somebody who's dealing with something could be like, oh, wow. You know, so again, we talked about it. Um, the first chapter that we released was called We Quiet the Noise because so many people in the community, because I had become this public person, was like, ah, oh, he messing around on his wife because people didn't realize I got divorced because my private life is my private life and I don't have to share it unless I choose to. Um, and so people had real nasty things. Oh, she this, she that, she. St-. And, and on the cover it says she was too street. My girl said, uh, he was too corporate and my boy said she was too street. And uh, that's what people said about us. Um, and it was like, Cleveland celebrity. you know, huh? Cleveland celebrity with paparazzi. Oh, oh, look, that's look, was dogging us, man. Was dogging us. You would see the DMs. I'll be like, man, are people crazy. And so all that being said, we're excited about it. It's just going to really share our journey and talk about even, you know, us doing things that, you know, as a Christian man, I probably shouldn't have been doing, you know, I'm on social media posting that, you know, we staying in New York in a hotel together. I literally, I'm a Christian man. Like, you know, that ain't what a Christian man, you know, supposed to do. If you're going to do it at least if you're going to sin, like they say, at least sin in private. <laughs> I'm on social media. Like I'm in a hotel, not even thinking that my daughter's watching that mm. and that mm. I'm telling her that's okay, mm. that you can date a guy and he can take you to a hotel. And as long as he treats you good and he's like your dad, it's okay to be in a hotel. Mm. But let's be real. If I'm in a hotel, you ain't there to sleep on the couch. <laughs> you know, you're going to sleep in that bed mm-hmm. and, and, and you might have some expectations. So, so we're going to, we're going to talk real in it, man. I, I'm excited about we It ain't going to be like, I'm not looking to be no reality show or nothing like that. So it ain't going to be where it's messy, but it's going to be real substance. And if you read the first chapter, it, it was, you know, I tr- tried to write it with some depth that it wasn't, you know, shallow. Um, so that's how the rest of the book is going to be written. So, yeah, I got to, I, I got to catch up on it. Yeah, I, please I actually, do. I, I need your feedback. Came across, I came across it by asking like, Maybe premiere the premiere the Pernell. Like he about to do his own housewife show. Um, yes, sir. I'm about to let you go, um, Larise. Promote promote what you got going on before I think I promote the stuff I think you got going. Um, CLE Consulting Firm. 
Um, you know, we are a trusted organization, you know, that really dives into your situation. Mm-hmm. So we're not just doing taxes. You know, we also want to create strategies for people, you know, to really help them think more strategically when it comes to that area. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Real Black Friday, we're going to be doing things throughout the year. Um, it seems like things aren't going to let up, you know, uh, with this epidemic. So we're going to have to, you know, get creative and still make sure that we stay on top of supporting our community because statistically 45% of black owned businesses will be closed by the time this pandemic is over nationwide. Mm. So that's more than almost half everybody. So if we don't pay attention again, don't get rocked back to sleep during this time Mm. and make sure we must support each other. Uh, So we're going to engage in that. So just stay tuned for that. And then black box fix, we're going to Easton and uh, Columbus will be at Easton. Uh, we're excited Amen. about that. And anytime we can create some new jobs, you know, I employ over 100 people here in this community through the different companies I have, and I, I'm excited about that. Um, so we're excited, and uh, we want to make some real impact. Um, and, and I would just challenge you, if you're listening to me, mm-hmm. and right now, if you haven't talked to your neighbor of your loved ones, at least check on each other. Um because if we ain't learned nothing through this, this time is the importance of family. Thanks. And then if you have any margin, be a blessing to somebody else that's less fortunate. Because if they were hurting before a pandemic, could you imagine if there's a food shortage, what homeless people are going through right now? Imagine what people who have nothing, if people who had something are struggling, imagine what people who had nothing, mm. how they're struggling. So just take a minute to think about that and let that resonate with you and look for some organization you trust to go out and support and be a blessing. So I appreciate you, brother, okay. for having me on. No, I appreciate you, more, and I'm, I'm definitely going to be in touch with you. So get the book Financial Foundation, Building Financial Freedom, one tool at a time at unexpectedbook.com. Also, the book Unexpected will be arriving some point next, this year. Um, you can get Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day. There we go. So you can get both of his books at unexpectedbook.com or Amazon. Uh, follow my brother on Twitter at Larice Purnell, L A R E S E P U R N E L. Um, at the Black uh, Friday, that's at T R B F underscore C L E. And the website is therealblackfriday.com. At C L E Consulting One. Uh, CLE Consulting Firm.com, Instagram, Larice Purnell, at CLE Consulting Firm, at The Real Black Friday, and also at Premier of the Purnells. All that is on Instagram. Please keep up with this brother. He is hard to keep up with. I'm glad I just happened to know him. Yes, sir. <laughs> I'm glad we can have this conversation, man. No doubt, no doubt, man. You have a good night. Okay. Thanks for checking out this episode of Liberation. Subscribe to the show and follow Liberation on Twitter and Instagram at Liberation underscore pod. Liberation is sponsored by Doodlebugs by DeVita. Thoughtful handmade jewelry designs inspired by love, peace, and unity. Shop Doodlebugs at doodlebugsbydevita.square.site. And for the Etsy lovers, it's doodlebugsbydevita.etsy.com. Use the promo code LIBERATION and get 10% off your order. Follow Doodlebugs on Twitter at Doodlebugs4U. That's Doodlebugs, the number four, the letter U. And Instagram 
Doodlebugs by Davida.